welcome to Fat Free Film. Getting used to saying that. This is the first episode of Fat Free Film. Uh, we have a website, fatfreefilm.com, and you can go there and listen to all the Film Shots episodes as well as these new episodes. Um, I am here with Maura Stevens. Today. Hello. Hi. Uh, we're here in her home, and she's. Uh, we've got her dog here, dog named Basil. Basil, yes. Basil. He's in, he's in Conventioneers, actually. Is he really? Oh. He plays Cooper the dog, who's oh, okay. Leah's father's dog. Kind of a, nice. a homebody with He's got a, a cone on home. his head right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll be starring in any movies with that <laughs> cone on his head. So um, her movie is The Conventioneers, mm-hmm. or just Conventioneers. I see the poster here. Um, it won the John Cassavetes Award this year in the Spirit Awards, which is the best film made for under 500000 is that That's right? That's correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just um, offhand, what does John Cassavetes mean to you? Are you a fan of John Cassavetes' films? Oh yeah, I'm a huge fan, um, and that's part of why it was so cool to be even just nominated in this category. Um, and, you know, along the way to making convention years, it was, his style of filmmaking was also a real inspiration. Um, just in terms of, okay, you know, we have this group of friends of filmmakers who like to make films together, and you know, we had a, a very hard start date because it was all the film is this um, Romeo and Juliet story centered around the Republican National Convention in New York between a Republican Bush delegate and a liberal protester, and a lot of the films were a lot of the scenes were filmed in and around the convention inside the protest, so we had this hard start date, you know, um, and the idea, and had the idea mm, less than, you know, a month or so before, um, and so everything had to come together very quickly, and so thinking about Cassavetes, like, okay, we'll have a start date, and then, you know, along the way to getting there, we'll figure out the script and the, you know, financing and all the other details, um, and just, you know, with an emphasis on the performance and the actor. So, yeah, it was very much an inspiration. Now, this film was shot during the Republican convention in New York City. It was very, um, a, very a very busy time. Very, uh, there was a lot going on. Uh, what made you decide to do that, to shoot a film during the Republican convention? Where did this idea come from? Um, well, I am... Do you hear all the panting? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna hear the dog walking around. I could put him in the background. No, that's Should we stop? fine. No, that's great. There's a lot of panting. Um, um, the idea came from um, my friend Adam Feinstein, who I'd gone to NYU grad film with, who had this, you know, great sort of mischievous idea of um, shooting a narrative film in and around the convention in the style of medium cool. Um, and the idea was just to make, to be, to capture what was happening in New York, and also to make a film about, you know, the divide in the country between red state and blue state. And um, from that basic idea of doing a narrative film, um, I then brought this idea to Joel Vertel, who's my husband, um, of what if it was like. A love story, a kind of Romeo and Juliet story, and from there, it, from the initial idea, we didn't even know if the Republican was going to be a man or a woman. But just that basic idea of 
these two opposites coming together. Mm -hmm. um, and from there it kind of took off. Now did you know these actors before you started shooting? How did you cast them? Um, the three leads um, of the delegate and the protester and there's a, a third lead is um, a character named Dylan Murtaugh by Balak Friedman um, who is a a friend of Leah's who used to be very active in the protest scene and um, has since sort of dropped out since he had a baby and got married and so it was very true to life his character mm-hmm um, those three those three characters were written for the actors there were um, they'd never I'd never worked with any of them before um, I've known Alec a long time Woodwin Coons who plays Leah um, had gone to college with Joel, um, and I had seen her in a short film at NYU. Um, and Matt Mabe, uh, we had seen in a production of Cobb out here. Kevin mm -hmm. Spacey produced this play out here. Um, and once the three of them signed on, then I tailored each of those roles for them and developed them with them in rehearsal. And then the rest of the characters we either found through um, a kind of general casting process in New York or you know in certain cases they're actors who had never acted before people who had never acted before who are playing they're definitely playing characters but they're playing kind of versions of themselves in a way and did you write the script beforehand did you develop it through rehearsal you said that there were rehearsals mm -hmm. um, how did you go about developing the script um, well the basic story um, is very much the same as when we set out mm -hmm. but a lot of the details of you know you know like we, we collaborated with this group 1000 coffins that you see very prominently in the film um, and we didn't know initially what sort of protest group Leah would be involved in um, and so a lot of the details sort of came together as we were putting together the pieces of the film but the narrative story like the down to like the ending of the film, um, all were very much the same as our initial sort of thing. But then um, there's always a, a layer of improv on set, and um, I was lucky enough, even though it all came together so quickly, to have about a week and a half of rehearsal with the actors before we went into it, where we were able to really develop the characters and um, their relationships, and and to test out a bunch of the scenes, a bunch of the key scenes. What kind of camera did you shoot this whole thing on? Um, it was a mixture, primarily the Panasonic DVX-100A, mm -hmm. um, using something called the PS Technic with film lenses. So we used a set of 35 millimeter <coughs> primes and we had to zoom as well. Um, it's, it's an adapter that allows you to... <laughs> to change the lenses? Basil's barking his monkey. Yeah. Um, to, to use film lenses. Uh -huh. So it has a kind of, the the two reasons that I love this camera and that setup is that um, the Panasonic was the first camera that I really liked the, the colors and sort of softness of it. And then by using the adapter, then you can have play with depth of field and have more of the range of image that you have in a film. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a standard definition camera, right? It's not an HD camera or an HDV camera. So 
Um, well, yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a, but it is a 24p. Mm -hmm. It does 24p, which means that it does 24 frames per second, which some people. No, it's not really. Well, not frames quite. per second. It's. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to explain this well, <laughs> but it's not. It's not quite that. Something um, like that. Only the HD cameras do the um, true 24p. Mm -hmm. um, but we also used a little bit of beta inside the convention because that's what the cameraman had. Um, there were times when we used the Panasonic just by itself, mm -hmm. um, and there were times when we used the 900, which is the bigger version of the same camera. Um, so it was really a mixture, but I think it worked with the sort of documentary feel because I wanted to have a kind of, you know, um, quilt, patchwork quilt sort of feel to it. Is that, uh, was it pretty easy to conceal this camera or did you need to? Did anyone give you a hard time about filming during this convention? Um, no, actually, I mean, I think we were camouflaged by the fact that there were so many cameras in New York at the time. Um, and then around the convention, people, um, tons of cameras uh, during the protests, either journalists or other filmmakers or um, <laughs> dogs barking. Um, um, or, you know, other protesters filming stuff. And that was sort of the, the shocking thing coming out of it was that there was just so many cameras. Oh, also the policemen filming the policemen. people. Or also videotaping, which you see like a brief shot of that in the film of the, Why were they the policemen videotaping also videotaping people? things? Um, just in anticipation of arresting people, I think. Really? <laughs> um, With all that videotaping going on, I feel like the things that I saw in your movie, mm -hmm. I never saw on the news or, or anywhere else. Why is that, do you think? Um, well, that was the really shocking, well, one of the many shocking things from making the film was um, that there was no general awareness of what was happening in New York, that there had been a solid month of protests leading up to the convention, that there had been, you know, 1,800 arrests with zero crimes committed, that, um, that in the United Peace and Justice March, which you see at the end, sort of culmination, there was 500,000 people protesting, and, and just tons of cameras everywhere. So we expected there to just be a flood of images. Um, and sort of taking a cue from medium kill that there would be a lot of just like there was in 68 mm -hmm. just a lot of you know the media being flooded with images of what was happening in New York and and yet when we came out on the other side of it we realized that there was virtually no coverage of what had happened and that you know even people who were in New York have seen the film and said wow I didn't even know that that was happening downtown <laughs> because there was just sort of a blackout of information about what would happen. Yeah, it almost serves the purpose of a documentary film as well as a dramatic fictional film because we get to see things that maybe we didn't know about or I feel like I got some kind of, kind of I got informed about what was happening there and especially at the end when I read that you guys were arrested which seems yes. very strange. <laughs> what were yes. you doing that was so illegal? Um, nothing illegal. Um, nothing at all illegal, and and um, 
it's hard to explain in the context of just the credits and everything, but we weren't arrested um, in regard to anything that was related to filming. It was part of these large preemptive sweeps that they were doing in New York where um, it was sort of Mayor Bloomberg's strategy to the protests was to just um, take, you know, the police and, and round up the first 200 people in a group that were, you know, peacefully, legally protesting and just arrest them and then expect the rest of the group to disperse. And they were trying to be, and all like kind of leading up to the president speaking so that they could, um, one corrections officer told um, Joel that it was, they were deliberately holding people as long as they could until um, the president had spoken. Whether or not that was true, I don't know. But um, I was held for 16 hours. Joel was held for 40 hours. Um, another producer, Robert Petrie, was held for 42. That's a long time. Uh huh. And and it was all and it was just like the first 200 people in a, in in the group. So a lot of them were journalists and and sort of non-participants who were observing with cameras, and those mm -hmm. were the people who were arrested is because they were at the front of the march. Um, and it was really just a very shocking experience for me, having both been a New Yorker, and I love New York so much, and to just, and also to be a, you know, a law-abiding citizen, to have mm -hmm. your rights taken away so easily, and then just to be treated like a common criminal was very, Kind of shocking and tra traumatizing. Now you went to NYU. Is that where you went? Um, yes, NYU grad film. Were you in NYU grad film when you made this film, or? Uh mm -hmm. Well, I'd actually I'd finished classes, but um, I went back because we were putting together so quickly. Um, I went back to NYU and said, "Can I make this as my?" Because I'd never actually made a thesis short. Um, and so I went back and said, can I make this as my thesis film? And they, they normally don't do feature films, but the budget of the film was so low, and I had a whole sort of strategy, and we'd already started shooting, so they said yes, and that was sort of how we were able to do everything so quickly and so cheaply. I had a ton of um, friends from NYU come in and help for free, and um, friends from out here fly over and, you know, our parents all <laughs> helped. Um, my mother was there helping, and Joel's parents, and so. How did they help? How did everyone help? Yeah, um, how, did your, how did your parents help? <laughs> um, my mother um, made sandwiches on different I mean, we were such a small crew uh -huh. that sometimes it would literally be... Um, equipment loaded into the back of um, a car, Joel driving, Andreas, or Andreas Burgess, who is our DP, like, he, and, and my like sitting on top of him <laughs> as really? we like drove through town to catch, and like, or sometimes we would grab all the gear and take the subway, because sometimes that's faster way to travel in New York. Uh -huh. um, we shot um, Leah's dad's apartment in Joel's mother's apartment like we used I mean every sort of resource we had for free and every kind kindness <laughs> from from friends and family and 
um, a lot of people who just gave a lot yeah. to the film. So was it difficult to finance this film, or how did you how did you go about financing? Um, we well, that's the thing was we made it like so cheaply mm-hmm. that I mean everybody was working for free, and every location minus the hotel um, was free, and be, people donating you know time, places, stuff to us um, that we were able to kind of just get by on credit cards and some borrowed money and wow that's something now what happens to the film now um well um we've been um working with this uh sales agent lantern lane david mm-hmm. garber um and after the spirit awards a lot of distributors are watching it now yeah, and so we're kind of um sorting through offers and things like that but the plan is to um look towards a november 2006 release around the elections. Great. Um, and uh, continue to do some festivals until then. Mm-hmm. Do you think we should let the dog out of the... <laughs> We've got the dog in the other room and I don't think, I don't think Basil likes it. <laughs> there, you're back. So He's a very vocal... Um, yes, he's, he's very he's, vocal. He's actually been... Um, a participant in all of the hyphenate films. We formed hyphenate films to make uh-huh. conventioneers. Conventioneers was the first one. Um, and we've done two other features since then. Yeah. Um, and he, the one that we just wrapped called Strictly Sexual, which is a romantic comedy, also plays a role in that really? as well. He's quite the actor. <laughs> and he, he was on set every day, like even when he wasn't acting. Is it hard to get him to act? Or does he just do it naturally? Um, he's pretty much... A natural attention. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Um, he doesn't usually bark that much, but um, yeah. So, but it's great having him on set because he just he loved he loved going to set so much. And, yeah, Did um, you? So you just wrapped another feature film? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I didn't direct it, but we produced it. Mm-hmm. Um, you and your husband? Mm-hmm. And our company. The idea of behind hyphenate is. Um, that we're all hyphenates, writer, director, producer, actor, mm-hmm. and it, um, production designer, editor, um, and it's a lot of these people who do a lot of these, like this whole family of filmmakers that sort of formed around conventioneers. A lot of people who do multiple jobs, mm-hmm. um, you know, all kind of working together, um, and and doing films um, that are, you know, not afraid of tackling a controversial subject or a more edgy approach to something, um, because so how do you, you can decide? do it in a kind of more gritty, kind of real yeah. way. How do you decide what you're going to do next? Do you meet in this group, or do you just, uh, does mm-hmm. it just organically kind of happen? Um, yeah, actually we have, um, well, the four, the core hyphenates, um, mm-hmm. myself, Joel Vertel, Trevor Murphy, and Alec Friedman. Um, Trevor and Alec are both in conventioneers. Alec is, Alec Friedman plays Dylan, the interpreter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Trevor Murphy plays Hans, who's Leah's fiance. Mm-hmm. Her um, <laughs> uh, cheated upon fiance. 
um, playwright, and uh, we get together um, maybe like once a month, just um, with our, we call them hyphenites, <laughs> <laughs> where we're just like brainstorming and sharing new ideas for uh, stories or, you know, because it's not just about the films that we're making, but other filmmakers and projects that we're bringing in from other people. Mm -hmm. um, and we're also in the process of kind of forming, setting it up more formally as Is it going to be a company? A, a company? Like a... Mm -hmm. Well, because for each of the, the last three, the financing has come together totally independently, mm -hmm. um, separately, like kind of reinventing the wheel each time. And so we're looking at um, ways to establish it more. Mm -hmm formally with the slate of like three to five films a year. Yeah, that's something you hear a lot about uh, is creating a slate of films, meaning three to five films that people can invest in so that you um, kind of recoup any kind of losses on, if one of them does really well, then the other ones can kind of recoup on that. It's an interesting um, concept and I think it works for, for people, uh, for especially for getting financing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Josh Welsh, had recommended you, and he's the guy over at Film Independent. I love Josh Welsh. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. He runs the Filmmaker Lab over there. Mm -hmm. Did you do any of the labs? Yes. Um, I very proudly did the um, Director's Lab, um, mm -hmm. and Joel did the Producer's Lab, both with the same project, which is called Georgia Heat, which is my next um, feature film. And I'd actually done it before Convention Years, but that's like a bigger film, and so it's a longer process of putting it together. Um, but um, Josh Welsh and Film Independent are just so amazing, and he continues to be a real source of support and inspiration. And all of the, the eight, they choose eight directors to be in the workshop together, and in each like, workshop, we were working with Charlie Hermrumfeld, who directed Kissing Jessica Stein, mm -hmm. and you workshop scenes from your script, and you meet all these interesting filmmakers have come in um, and the eight of us still get together for drinks and kind of you know little mini reunions of <laughs> you know re try to you know, catch up what each of us are doing and mm -hmm. um, it was such a I, I mean I can't I don't know say enough about enough good things about it it was it's just a great experience in terms of taking with Georgia Heat, I had been working on it for a while as a writer. Mm -hmm. So to just um, take the time to just focus on it as a director was such a nice luxury because when you're making an independent film, so much of the process is either devoted to the writing when you're developing it, or you immediately jump into, even if you're not producing it yourself, you're kind of in producing mode, like just thinking about how to put together the money and the, the package and the actors and the, you know, you're just focusing on how I can start directing it mm -hmm. um, so to just carve out you know eight weeks time where you're only focused on the creative work of directing it yeah um, in terms of like your visual look for the film and starting to work with actors and and just discussing it you know as a director was a great experience and then they continue to be very supportive and sounds like a good thing so they bring in different uh established or more established directors to um, help you in this process? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the producers, and they have a, they have three labs, 
One's a director's lab, one's a screenwriter's lab, and one's a producer's lab. And with focus, like screenwriter's lab, they have a screenwriter comes in and producer. There was a, they, the producer's lab, I think, focuses more on the nuts and bolts of, you know, learning to break down a budget and mm -hmm. um, all of the more technical aspects of it. Okay, so I think we're going to have to wrap it up, but I wanted to ask you one more thing, and that's about the actor who played the interpreter in, in the film. Mm -hmm. Is he an interpreter? How did you get him on the convention floor? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at it thinking, is he, is he uh, CGI'd into there, or uh, how did they manage to do that? Because he seems like he's right there on the convention floor. Yes. Um, well, there are no special effects in the movie. Um, Dylan Murtaugh is played by, as I mentioned, Alec Friedman. Mm -hmm. um, is Alec Friedman an interpreter? He is a actor, director, mm -hmm. writer, um, originally based in New York, now out here in LA, whose day job is a sign language interpreter. Mm -hmm. And he really was the interpreter for the president at the convention. He really was. Mm -hmm. Did this? Did you know this going into making the film? When you created the character, you're like, oh, you're going to be the interpreter? I did. It's one of the mysteries of the film that we... It's really strange. <laughs> we're never fully... I mean, even if I were to explain it, it doesn't... It's just... We had a lot of happy accidents on this movie. Uh -huh. So there's a lot of things that are just... Were kind of blessings that fell out of the sky. All right, with that mystery. Um, at the end of... Film shots, we usually do film bites. I don't know what I'm going to call that in fat-free film, <laughs> but uh, it's just a little piece of fat -free bites. information, fat-free bites, that you can give <laughs> to the filmmaker out there that might be um, trying to make their first film. Gosh, I had good of... Uh, let me think. Um, so a fat-free film bite? A fat-free <laughs> film bite. I'm going to give one. Uh, mine is basically uh, collaborate with your friends. Um, try and get yourself a good uh, group of friends who are also filmmakers so you can share information. Sounds like something that Mora is doing. She's got her uh, hyphenate productions. It seems, like, uh, it seems like that's the way to go because you have to share information. Otherwise, where are you going to get it? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can get it from shows like this. You can get it from school. Uh, but there's nothing like some good friends. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, because also that way you're always having fun together, mm -hmm. you know, and there's so many um, heartaches along the way that if, you ha if you're doing it with your friends, like, it doesn't matter what budget you're doing it, if it's something you all care about and mm -hmm. some, like, shared vision of what this film is going to be, then along the way, no matter what happens, it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. um, the only uh, footnote I have to that is choose your friends wisely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nothing like production to test um, <laughs> friendships. Yeah. Um, advice. Um, well, if you're doing a film like Conventioneers, like, mm -hmm. um, I definitely, I mean, I think that all of these resources are so much more accessible to people. Like, you know, we edited at home. You, we, for a while, we, were, we didn't even own a camera. We were borrowing cameras. So if you have an idea that you care about, you know, all of the materials that you really need are available to you. Just, you know, figure out the idea, you, the story you want to tell, pick a start date and go 
make the movie. Okay. Um, and don't wait for people to say yes. So um, pick your start dates out there. <laughs> you can email them to me at uh, joel at fatfreefilm.com. Our website is fatfreefilm.com. We want to thank Maura Stevens for being here or inviting us into her home. Inviting me. <laughs> I don't know who we are. I guess me and the dog. Um, and thanks to Basil for sh sharing. Basil. Ba Basil. Basil. <laughs> for sharing his home with us. And um, we'll uh, catch you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you.